Michigan's Upper Peninsula is my home and Escanaba is my hometown. I'm Craig Warple. Hometown Escanaba connects with the people, activities, and newsmakers of Escanaba and the UP. Join us for more interviews at hometownescanaba.com. Now let's find out what's going on. Joining us this morning is Doug Leisingring, superintendent of the Delta Schoolcraft Intermediate School District. Thank you so much for coming in. I really appreciate it. Good morning, Craig. Congratulations. Well, thank you. You were given the Education Excellence Award last night at the Delta Chamber of Commerce's annual dinner. Yeah. You, you usually give that award. Yeah, that's what I was hoping. I was glad they covered that beforehand because normally I work with the local superintendents and make the nomination and who it was. And I, I wanted to make sure they people didn't realize, realize that I didn't nominate myself. You know, <laughs> <laughs> That came from Laura Coleman in the chamber. And but you knew about it, obviously. I, I knew about it about a week and a half ago, I knew, because I'd, I sent Vicki a note like, oh my God, Vicki, I forgot to get you a person. Who's gonna, who are we going to you need a nominee and she said we got it covered and so i'm like well that seems odd i've always done it like what do you mean they got it covered up but i was just happy they had it done you know and then she weren't told me a couple days later it was going to be me so so it was she was probably nice. surprised you didn't ask huh she probably was wondering why you didn't ask <laughs> well you don't want to assume you're getting an award right like who's, who's that pompous you know but i don't know how you don't know because Greg Stewart didn't know that Stewart Manufacturing was going to be business of the year. He was surprised. Yeah. Well, like I said, I mean, I knew a couple weeks out. I mean, yeah. Vicky gave me a heads up. But, you know, and like I said last night, you know, I'm, I've been blessed. It was my 31st year. And I mentioned when well, I talked last night. hey, let's just do that, okay? Here's your speech oh. from last night. <laughs> well, thanks, everybody. You know, when, you, um, when you're in education, you hang around a long time, they give you some awards once in a while, you know. So for the people who know me, they're terrified. If somebody at your table just put their head in their hands, they're like, Doug Leisman can talk about air for 17 minutes. So what in the world's going to happen here? So, you know, and the thing is about education is if you're smart and you pay attention to other smart people, you make good decisions. And that's kind of like the story of my life, you know. I was blessed to have two great parents. My dad worked his tail off at the sheriff's department. I was an undersheriff for many years, and he showed us what hard work looks like. And my mom, for people who know my mom, you're smiling right now. Because my mom was a character beyond all characters. When I got sent home in uh, sixth grade for telling a kid on the kickball field something, tell, I told him to go do something that was physically impossible. That my uh, principal sent me home and my dad yelled at me for five minutes. He yelled at my mom for 20 because he knew where the language had come from. <laughs> and I think the greatest piece of advice my mom ever gave me was, um, I don't want you three boys ever backing down from anything. If someone gives you a hard time, you tell them what needs to be said. And my mom always said, don't start any fights, but if someone starts one with you, I expect you to finish it. And that was really great advice because uh, my one brother, Ken, is the, he's a, one of the chief engineers of the Ford Motor Company. My brother, Bill, started an engineering company, left Chrysler, and um, sold that company to Delphi. Now he works for a baseball analytics company, and they teach people how to throw faster. You know the Taylor Wood League team that just won the, the World Series? The best pitcher trains in my brother's company. So... There's 56 ISD superintendents in the state of Michigan. I'm the only one who's the gross underachiever in his family. <laughs> and, you know, and it was really cool growing up in Escanaba schools all these years because when you're 28 years old and you don't know anything, luckily you're surrounded by all these great administrators. Like Bob Kosky showed me what the work ethic of a, a principal should look like. Jim Hansen taught me how you gotta bleed for your school, you gotta be there, you gotta be visible. Carolyn Hutton showed me how it's okay to have fun but you got to be professional once in a while. Like, I get a call, Douglas, we have to talk about the memo you just sent out. <laughs> and uh, Terry and Jerry Hampton just showed me how great 
and you need to treat people. No one treated people better than Terry, Terry and Jerry Hampton. So working with all those people, you just soak in all those things. It's really beneficial and helps you out. And I, got, I can't talk about my parents without swearing in honor of my mom. So the last thing I'll say to you is that, and you can't, if you're an administrator in schools and you win an award, it's because you're surrounded by really good people. Great teachers, great principals, you know. My mom's favorite saying was, I'm sorry, my mom passed away this year, but um, my mom's favorite saying was, you can't make chicken salad or chicken <laughs> dog. And uh, I've just been surrounded by a bunch of great people, and, and it's just been a great career. And so thank you very much. You're, you're really giving this honor to like 300 people tonight, so thank you. There you go. What a speech. Good well, job. Well, I just wear a little bit. You Congratulations. Know. <laughs> How did you get into education? Well, it's funny. So I go talk to a high school guidance counselor in like 85, and I say, hey, I'm thinking about going into teaching. And they're like, and the good people, the counselor, he's like, well, you're really good in math and science. You ever thought about engineering? So off I go to tech to be a chemical engineer. And got to organic chemistry and like, well, I like math. I don't like organic chemistry. And so <laughs> after a couple of years of tech, I found out tech had a program where you could be, um, and I just love math. My brothers and I all love math. And I found out tech had a program where I could stay at tech, get a mathematics degree instead of an education degree, and then take enough electives that I could be a teacher. And that's how I got into it. And so, and luckily, Jim Hansen, I got the student teach in Escanaba in the spring of 91. And, you know, I was very fortunate um, that Bonnie Wolfer is my cooperating teacher. And she basically threatened Jim Hansen, walked in his office, said, you are going to hire Doug Leiser, and walked out. <laughs> So I don't know if I if I got to thank Bonnie Wolf or Jim Hansen more for getting me hired in Escanaba back in '91. So where did you graduate from? Michigan Tech. No, no, Gladstone High School. Gladstone, Gladstone High School. I couldn't remember if it was Gladstone or Escanaba. Yeah, yeah, I was a Gladstone Brave. Yeah, absolutely. So class '86. We we still have my 35th class reunion this year. How did you move into administration then? I was um, back in, uh, I was 28 years old, I was in my fifth year teaching, and the district was starting to buy all this technology, and they're getting ready to start wiring the buildings and to create these wide area networks and to bring the internet into schools. And they realized that all these schools are buying uh, their technology independently, and the district needed somebody to coordinate the technology integration of how we were going to purchase equipment and then install the equipment and then train the teachers how to use the equipment. So they hired their first, they put a posting out for the first technology director. And that was always an interest of mine. And so I applied for the job and got that job. I'm assuming that a lot of this award comes from this past year with the pandemic and the role that you played in trying to uh, assist or keep the school districts within this ISD together. Yeah, and I think it was. But, but again, that kind of shows you that. Um, the only re you know, I was able to work to, with the local superintendents and the principals to try to coordinate programming, but if they weren't agreeable to that and they, if they weren't willing to work together, I wouldn't have been successful with that. You know, just an example of we're very fortunate in this region uh, how collaborative we can, we can be competitive for kids. Like we all want to promote our school districts to, to recruit kids to our school districts the way funding is in Michigan. Everybody's still doing that. But when, it could, when you get to the end of the day, um, most of our schools really are good to work together. And so just like I said in that speech, if you don't, um, if you don't have people that want to work together, you're not going to be successful. Mm -hmm. You know, the, COVID-19 pandemic certainly was very challenging mm -hmm. as you were going through it. Now it seems to be going to a different level. Yeah. Hospital today, the story is that yeah. they were overloaded for the first time through the entire pandemic. Not necessarily because of an overload of COVID-19 patients. They right. played a, a role in uh, helping to get it over the edge because of those who are coming to the hospital that haven't gotten treatment during yep. the pandemic. And suddenly it's becoming serious. Uh, for them, so it requires hospitalization. 
but th- it's also going into the younger mm-hmm. grades uh, for uh, the kids getting COVID-19 and then the quarantines you have to play with as well. So how have you been able to handle this and still be able to provide in-person It's been learning. challenging because um, some this is where the districts are doing some things a little bit differently as far as how they're doing that. Like some are trying to stream information home with the kids. Um, some are st- going with a strict quarantine, and the kids have to come back after their seven days or eight days. Um, so they're, they're all hand- So it has been a little challenging. It's been frustrating for some parents. And, and I, I can't imagine how burned out the staff's got to be at OSF because – um, our staff's really struggling. All educators, I think you got through a year last year. We didn't have a lot of cases in schools last year. We right. had some. So, but we, we dealt with it. We wore the masks. We, you know, we focused on just social distancing and trying to do things differently. And I think cause everybody was so optimistic we were going to be able to come back and not have to deal with it this fall that everybody's like, oh, no, not again. You know, and I think I see a lot of really good educators that are struggling right now to get through it because it's so frustrating. Like, our, you know, we're still doing contact tracing. We're still trying to figure out what to do. Like, how do we support? You know, some kids come from really tough situations and they get quarantined. And how are you going to get that kid back up to speed when they get back to school? And so it's really been hard. So I, I think um, all right, right now the pupil counting rules have changed. That the only way you can count a student is if um, they're either in class with you or they're streaming in live live feed. It can't be that. A lot of the schools aren't doing that right now. Yeah, they're having a hard time managing that. They're not doing the streaming part like they did last Mm -hmm. year because it didn't work. It wasn't as effective, and, it was, and, what, and what I think the biggest problem for the teachers is you start focusing on the kids online, and, and you forget about the kids in the class. Then you get the kids in the class, and you, you can't focus on the kids online. And so it, it just got really problematic to be consistent on how you're delivering that instruction to the kids. Mm-hmm. And so some, some are still streaming, but I know some aren't, and that was part of it. You know, and There's a difference in interaction, too, in person compared to online. Yep. I just did uh, a group of scouts uh, last night online mm-hmm. trying to do a merit badge so it's learning it's delayed you have to be very patient mm-hmm. in their response because you have four people on right i can't imagine 20 people on right and trying to ask questions well and, and it's one thing to have 20 17 year olds on but can you imagine trying to have 27 year olds on yeah <laughs> yeah i mean no. it's, just, it's just hard and and that's another reason why streaming gets hard because it's so much harder for the parent to have someone next to the child while they're streaming the younger ones you know the younger ones really don't have the means to sit there unsupervised and be on their mm-hmm. online class, you know. Um, even though you get some great things. I watched my wife do her kindergarten class two years ago. I don't know if I told you this, but I, when I was walking by a room and she was doing her online class and one little girl started talking about her baby donkey and how they're naming the baby donkey. Well, that was a pretty good story. <laughs> 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 so that was very entertaining to me. So I shared my staff the name of the baby donkey. But um, well, and come on, you're gonna keep us in suspense. <laughs> there's a few chapters to it. She she was there's a lot of a lot of paragraphs in okay. that story. Um, but it was just you know that was cute, right? But but again, what that girl's talking, you can see kids are off screen, kids mm-hmm. are looking all over, you know. So it gets harder with younger kids, and so I think that's the challenge we're facing. I mean, our tech, our districts have a lot of technology. We're almost one to one in several districts now with with Chromebooks and iPads and things like that. So in some cases, it's still working. They're still doing it. It's just that. I just think everybody's hoping long-term to, by the end of the year, we're out of all this stuff. What is the mitigation process right now? 
It's well, we're doing more testing now. Like we have the rapid antigen tests. Like I'm the clearinghouse for the school districts. They place the orders. The orders come to me, and I get them out to the schools. So I think you're starting to see a lot more testing going on. And it's not like mandatory testing, but they're if people are symptomatic, they do a rapid test to make sure it's not like allergies or something else. And and then for some of the kids that it used to be like a 10 day quarantine, but now it can be seven if you're not symptomatic. And day eight, if you test, you can come back. So you're starting to see. You're definitely seeing more testing than you saw last year we're not masked in most schools so that's different but you're starting to see a lot more testing more districts are using testing as a way to get more kids back into school more quickly how are you handling the quarantines and i think i told you the story before i had one kid that i know who was quarantined Mm -hmm. came back on the first day back got quarantined again yeah some districts are um, allowing the quarantine kids to come back some are allowing them to come back if they mask and they test and like me, I'm just saying, no, if you're quarantined, you can't come. And we're just because, you know, when we run the learning center and our career tech programs, we've had kids coming from like six different districts. You know, I can't take a chance being a super spreader and sending it out to all these different districts. So we just say no. And then we work with the families to get them the information they needed during that week that they're out. Because now with the eighth day thing, we test on the eighth day and let them come back. The career know. tech program that's got to be difficult to keep it going or no how's it going we made a decision last year to um we were going up to 30 in our classes in career tech and putting aids in some of the rooms well we decided to go back to 22 students in a class because our shops are so big we can really socially distance with 22 kids in a shop and it really keeps them spread out so if we do have a case they're really well spread out no one very few people will get quarantined from their career tech classes and we have almost 600 kids in career tech again so even all the chaos of the last year year and a half we were back to really high numbers in career tech. So we're, you know, when you think about it, there's 2,000 kids in high school in Delta and Schoolcraft County, and 600 of them take a career tech class. That's pretty good. A lot of discussion in the UP about substitute teachers and the lack mm-hmm. of them. Is that a problem in this district Yeah, absolutely. As well? We're all talking about what we need to start paying substitute teachers. You know, how much more can we pay them um, to try to, get, to make it more attractive to substitute teach? Is there creative things we can do to make it more attractive to people? Um, but it's not just substitute teachers. It's substitute aides. It's substitute bus drivers. It's substitute secretaries. It's all that. And, like, I, I've seen a couple of districts close already this year for a week or two, and it wasn't because teaching staff got quarantined because their bus fleet got quarantined. All their bus drivers did. You know, obviously that's become more of an issue for some schools than not having substitute teachers. But, yeah, we're really hurting for subs across the board. How big a problem is this? There's been no schools closed in this right. ISD district. I know Norway There's Vulcan a lot of closed. scrambling going on in your local schools to cover classes. A lot okay. of principals covering classes. A lot of, um, a lot of situations where an assistant that would normally be, say, working with small groups of kids to provide additional supplemental instruction is not doing that because she's leading the class that day. So you're seeing a lot of that stuff occur. A little creative mm-hmm. management. Then. Yeah, and we're following the rules. I mean, we're not putting anybody in there who's not qualified to sub. But, but yeah, it's really – some of the districts have really had to scramble sometimes to make sure they have had coverage. It's it's very common for me to have a meeting with, say, six people, and, like, one or two don't show, and I get a note afterwards saying, sorry, I was covering a class, you know. How are the meetings going with public health, Delton and Menominee They're County? going so well. I mean, Wednesday, those so, are all right? good people. But the problem is, like like you said, the numbers are really up. You know, what I think Delta County is a 17% positivity rate. You know, they were sharing with us how full the hospitals are. And, and like you said in your report, they're very clear about it. It's not all COVID, but it's like, I, I'm making numbers up, but it's mm-hmm. like two-thirds other things and then one-third COVID. That's like, about right. Yeah. yeah, and then you said the COVID's what puts it over the top because there's so many people who've put off medical care for so long that it's really coming to a head right now. So that's why we keep, 
like, oh, you know, so we keep bouncing ideas off them. Like, we, we talked to them the other day about booster shots, like, because teachers are eligible for boosters. Well, several of them just had COVID, you know, should we get a booster? And the medical director said, you still sh- should get the booster. You know, that was their recommendation. So mm. so we're, that's why we're still having those conversations and those calls to say this new thing popped. So you wouldn't think new things would pop up 18 months into the pandemic, but new things are still popping up. Well, I guess it's now time to ask that question. What do you want parents to know? Oh, I, I kind of go back to the old thing, like, you know, just commute, just watch your districts are they're they're making really fast decisions right now like and understand about things like the food service food chain is all messed up right now so like the lunch schedule that your child has brought home may be nonsense because the districts can't get stuff so i think a lot of times districts are sending out notes like lunch is going to be different around i know is that a big deal but for an eight-year-old it might be you know they might be serving something they don't like but so just be aware of that that um districts are they're working hard they're moving fast but whatever tool you use to communicate with your district whether it's class jojo dojo or power school or whatever facebook whatever tool your district's using please get used to like looking at that every evening or every morning when you get up because the stuff is changing at a rapid pace right now and the districts are adapting to to do the best job they can and the best thing that can happen is good communications with home i asked you that question all the way through the pandemic and we stopped doing it because it didn't seem as important but now communications are everything right now so please be communicating with your school if you want updated information please check daily for what's coming out Doug Leisingring, superintendent of the Delta Schoolcraft Intermediate School District. Thank you so much for coming in, and congratulations again on the Education Excellence Award. Thank you. Thank you for listening. A special thanks to our sponsor, SwedishPimple.com. Check out all of the fishing lures made right here in the Upper Peninsula at SwedishPimple.com. You can continue to follow us at HometownEscanaba.com. We connect with the people, activities, and newsmakers from Escanaba and Michigan's Upper Peninsula.